Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. When the Miami Dolphins signed star cornerback Jalen Ramsey during the offseason, they hoped he might be the final piece the defense needed to make this team a championship contender in 2023. When he suffered a knee injury at the start of camp, it was a big blow for a team with high hopes. But the team certainly doesn't see it as a death blow, and he hopes to return late in the season following this past week's knee surgery. Meanwhile, on offense, the Dolphins are hoping to keep Tua Tungavaloa healthy this season thanks to better training as far as taking hits and falling, as well as improvements to the offensive line. Currently, betting odds have the Dolphins as the third favorite to win the AFC East. Just ahead of them is the New York Jets, while the Buffalo Bills are an overwhelming favorite. Do the Dolphins have enough to come out on top of the AFC East, or at least win enough games to claim a wild card spot again like they did in 2022? Or will the fan base be left frustrated again? To tell us what's been going on at training camp, I welcome back Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. Joe will fill us in on what he's been seeing while braving the smoldering elements of South Florida. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Joe Shad is here now to drop his knowledge on the Miami Dolphins. Let's bring him in. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. All righty. Well, we're going to start here with Jalen Ramsey, as I mentioned in the intro. You know, his joining the Dolphins and forming a duo with Xavier Howard was all the rage during the offseason, and that hope was quickly extinguished on day two of camp with that knee injury. So what's the latest on Ramsey, and what's a realistic timeline for his return? Well, Ramsey is talking about returning late in the season, which would tell you that uh, the December timeline is is probably realistic. Uh, head coach Mike McDaniel talked about how he'd like to beat that timeline, but the Dolphins certainly aren't going to rush Ramsey back. And of course, it's the Dolphins' luck. Ramsey is a guy who's been healthy throughout his career, and of course, he gets injured on the you know, first or second practice uh, that he's ever put on the aqua and orange. So. Certainly a big challenge for uh, t- new defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, but uh, Miami is still quite loaded on defense, and they've really been mostly dominant throughout the spring and summer. It's a shame. At 28 years old, he's probably expecting to heal 
obviously, as quickly as he possibly can. But boy, getting out there by December after basically ripping your kneecap off and, and everything he's been through, that's tough. But, you know, they bring in Eli Apple as somebody who's going to be, a, a you know, one of the people helping to replace him. So, you know, he's certainly been a lightning rod of criticism over time. So what did you think of that move and, and bringing him in as a replacement for a guy like Jalen Ramsey? I think it's good to bring in a guy at basically the veteran minimum. It's not like you have to pay him too much money, and he has a ton of starting experience in recent years. Started a Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, the Dolphins might think that he's a better fit for this zone-heavy scheme than some of the man-to-man schemes he's participated in in the past when you've seen him get burned on deep passing touchdowns. Certainly a guy who takes some chances. I've seen that in practice already. Uh, with the Dolphins, did intercept Tua Tungavaloa on the last play of the scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium just a couple of days ago. So certainly um, Apple is an insurance policy. Uh, if Noah Igbenogany does not continue showing the drastic improvement that he's shown, and if the rookie Cam Smith doesn't continue to show that he's ready to play, I think that he's probably the favorite to start opposite Xavier Howard uh, at this point, uh, you just have to wonder to what extent Fangio will feel comfortable with a rookie. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about Cam Smith here in a little bit. But first, a little more on Apple. You know, he comes in, obviously, a, a defensive player who has a history with the Dolphins star receiver Tyree Kill. And it sounds like they pretty much uh, got to bury that hatchet quickly. So, you know, tell us about that history, you know, between these two and what they did to get past it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, Mike McDaniel called Tyree Kill to say, hey, we're, we're going to sign Eli Happel here. Are you cool with that? And uh, that just shows you uh, you know, how important Tyree Kill is to the team that they consulted with them. You know, they, those two went at it uh, with locker room talk, on-field talk. Uh, they, they had some battles dating back to Tyreek being on the Chiefs and Jalen being uh, – uh, and uh, Eli being in multiple places. Anyway, they, they, they ha- they've had battles on and off the field. But the way they both explained it is that they're basically just trash talkers. And now that they're teammates, they'll, they'll trash talk others. Although I did find it funny that uh, Tyreek Hill uh, said at a, a recent news conference that uh, he, he's glad that Eli's here because now he gets to embarrass him every day. <laughs> Tyreek Tyree just couldn't help himself. Eli's like, yeah, Tyreek's showing me around, introducing me to people, showing me the cafeteria. And Tyreek's like, yeah, I'm going to embarrass him. They've kept them away from each other for the most part in practice so far, which is interesting. Yeah, it's probably a smart decision. And yeah, with two trash talkers like that, it's like the Wonder Twins uniting. They're, they're putting their superpowers together to annoy teams across the league. So, <laughs> The other huge storyline with the Dolphins is, you know, obviously quarterback Tua Tengavailoa. He's spoken about how jujitsu is helping him fall. He's talked about doing somersaults when falling backward instead of hitting his head on the ground and, you know, different helmet. So is all of this going to be enough to keep him from suffering another concussion? And what have you seen out of him so far in camp? All that stuff is helpful, as is adding 10 or so pounds. He thinks that that's going to add to the durability. Um, There's been some debate about whether or not he's better being nimble and agile or being thicker. And uh, I think Tua decided he's better off being thicker, and that's what he is. He did some neck strengthening exercises in the offseason, too, which could be helpful. But the truth of the matter is he just needs to get rid of the football uh, in a more timely fashion. 
you know, he's not a guy who's going to extend the play like a Patrick Mahomes. And so he doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes. He needs to be more like Drew Brees, uh, which is the comparison coming out of college. And he's been Brees-like in his accuracy throughout the spring and summer. Even though the offense has struggled overall, he hasn't taken as many reps with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell as he did in, in, in last year's camp. Um, they're kind of mixing everyone through. And there's really more of a focus on who's the number two quarterback relative to Skylar Thompson versus Mike White. Thompson got off to a fast start, and now White is sort of catching up slowly. But, um, yeah, Tua looks good if he stays healthy. There's no reason to believe that he won't be in the top five in the NFL and pass a rating again. And, you know, a lot of folks leave him out of their top ten in NFL quarterbacks. Some folks have him, like, 17. And it's kind of hard to align that with the, the statistical fact that led the NFL in passer rating and also led the NFL in passer rating on third downs and passer rating in the red zone. It's like, what more do you want this guy to do? Um, but I get it. It's People don't believe that he has a chance to stay healthy. Yeah, and of course, it's also overlooked. People always say, oh, well, he doesn't throw downfield. Well, the stats actually show he's very accurate downfield and threw more than people realize. So, you know, the, the, the other big question then surrounding Tua is his offensive line then. You know, uh, obviously, I think two years ago, they were historically bad. I don't know how much better they got last year. But given the concussions he suffered, I'm going to say probably not that much. So talk about that offensive line, things they've done to upgrade it. And is it good enough to give two of the time he needs if he wants to throw the ball downfield? Well, the additions of Teron Armstead at left tackle and Connor Williams at center made a really big deal for the Dolphins last year. They were certainly much better, but they fired their offensive line coach, so they weren't happy with him. They bring in a guy in Butch Berry, who is a sort of a drill sergeant, old school, no nonsense screamer. And I wrote a story about that in the Palm Beach Post that you can find about tying him and Vic Fangio together as sort of old school additions who sort of complement the affable, charming, humorous Mike McDaniel. Um, the key here, and we're looking forward to watching in joint practices on Tuesday and Wednesday at Hard Rock Stadium against the Falcons is left guard and right tackle. Does Liam Eikenberg take a step forward, or do they need to go to a veteran like Isaiah Wynn or Robert Jones? And does Austin Jackson take a step forward at right tackle? He was injured most of last season. So far, he has shown improvement. So I think it's really left guard that's the biggest concern. Um, And the Falcons were one of the worst teams in the NFL in pressures, hurries, and sacks last year. Now, they did add some players, such as Calais Campbell, who's kind of at the tail end of his career. Uh, in the offseason to kind of bolster the pass rush. But the point I'm making is the Dolphins' offensive line needs to show improvement in these joint practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to write – I'm writing a story now that will be on the Palm Beach Post's website soon about um, just that, about how all eyes are on the offensive line in these joint practices. Yeah, and, of course, the game with uh, the Falcons – is Friday night at 7 p.m. And you talk about that line. Who do you think we're going to be seeing a lot of during that game? Or do you think we're going to see much consequential play? You know, the first preseason game, obviously you don't see a lot of the the Stars play or play very long. So what do you expect out of that game? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to see Teron Armstead at all in the preseason. Um, You know, Connor Williams is not happy with his contract. It'll be interesting to see how much he plays uh, at center. I think the most interesting... Ones are, again, left guard and right tackle. So I think you'll see Liam Eichen. It's my, you know, guess. This is just a guess that you'll see Liam Eikenberg, Isaiah Wynn, Robert Jones, um, 
Keon Smith, Austin Jackson, Cedric Abwehi, uh, Kendall Lamb, all of those guys get a lot of action so that the Dolphins can sort through who gives them a chance at the Chargers in week one. All right, now let's transition to someone that can help take some pressure off of Tua, not just the, the offensive line, but also at the running back position. And they come into the season, you've got Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. You've got the drafted Devin Achain, who has, uh, I think he's been out injured, but you can maybe fill us in a little on that. Um, but also, there's the rumors about Dalvin Cook out there, and I know he wants to come to Miami. So talk a little bit about the running back position, and do you s- still see Cook as a viable option now that we're reaching the first week of the preseason? Yeah, I mean, definitely more than rumors, considering the fact that Cook is a, a free agent and says he wants to play for the Dolphins, and general manager Chris Greer and head coach Mike McDaniel have been asked about it. So it's it's an open secret that at the right price, the Dolphins would take Cook, uh, and that Cook just doesn't think that the right price has been offered yet. Uh, you know, this is a luxury addition for the Dolphins. They've had bigger needs at corner and defensive tackle and maybe on the offensive line. So, you know, not a key need uh, for the Dolphins, but certainly Cook fits Mike McDaniel's zone blocking scheme. Um, A-Chain has a minor injury, uh, but certainly an injury to Mostert, Wilson, or A-Chain could change the dynamics quickly and force the Dolphins to increase their offer. But Dalvin Cook doesn't need preseason reps. uh, So, you know, this thing could play out another week or two for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine him taking the season off as we saw up in Pittsburgh several years ago with Le'Veon Bell. So I think, um, you know, ultimately maybe he'll try and get a one-year deal done, kind of like the way Saquon Barkley did, you know, uh, to get himself, you know, in a playing shape and all that. So we'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, speaking of signings, Joe, now we'll get back to the, the third rounder, the rookie Cam Smith, and you mentioned he might even be in there starting. So I was going to ask you how he looks early in his NFL career, but things must be going really well out there in camp. Yeah. You know, as a rookie, he needs to mature. Um, he's Cam Smith is a little bit handsy uh, as Xavier Howard was in his college career and early in his pro career. Um, but he's physical, he's athletic, he's instinctive. He certainly looks the part of an NFL corner, uh, but so did Noah Benogany. A remarkable athlete who's finally showing some signs of progress in year four. Um, so, you know, Smith is certainly, you know, a first round talent who slipped in part because some of his former coaches said that he needed to mature on and off the field. Um, but it, it looks like so far, uh, you know, he's handling himself well. All right. And let's talk a little bit about the rest of that defense. I mean, really, that's probably one of the areas where there's not huge concerns. You have Bradley Chubb, you have Jalen Phillips, you have Emmanuel Ogba, you know, and the list goes on and on. Christian Wilkins. So just talk about the the defense, what they're going through. Are they all healthy? And what do you expect to see out of them? Yeah, I mean, it's a new scheme. And it's interesting that you haven't heard and read more about the scheme. Um, basically Fangio's scheme is everything you're going to have more zone, but there's also man to man. There's lots of different coverages that look the same. The dolphins think that they'll be able to get more pressure and more sacks by despite blitzing less in the Brian Flores, Josh Boyer defense. 
they felt that in order to get sacks and pressures, they needed to blitz, and that left them vulnerable on the back end, especially when you had like an Xavier Howard who wasn't healthy. He was kind of hobbling around back there last year, and Byron Jones was out. And so, um, you know, look, the defense is going to be really good. Um, with Jalen Ramsey, I would have projected them as a top five NFL defense. I think they can still be a top 10, top 12 NFL defense until Ramsey gets back. Well, you know, if there's pressure on any defensive coordinator in the league, Vic Fangio, I I hear his name all the time. He was brought into Miami. He's supposed to fix things. He's got all of this talent. Is there any coordinator with more pressure on them in the entire league this year than Vic Fangio? Because it seems like everything I've read and heard, whether it be on sports radio or on TV, this guy's name gets brought up a lot. So, you know, how much pressure is he under just in this first year as their defensive coordinator? None. And Fangio couldn't care less what you think, what I think, what anyone thinks. I mean, this guy's 64 years old. He doesn't need to coach. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's a mad scientist. He's a he's a uh, a mastermind. He's one of the best defensive coaches in pro football history. If the Dolphins' defense sucks, it will not be his fault. I guarantee that. Well, that's putting it in succinct, succinctly. So, uh, no pressure there for Vic Fangio. <laughs> All right, Joe. So, um, you know, one other thing, and you and I talked about this a little bit uh, prior to us starting taping, but we'll talk about it a little bit uh, on the air here. And that's one of the biggest factors in training camp right now is heat, you know, just the absolute, just, you know, mind melting hotness of not just Florida, a lot of teams are experiencing around the country. But last week I was up at Jaguars camp and boy, it was so hot up there. You know, it was in the mid nineties with a feels like of 102 or something like that. So I imagine Miami being 350 miles South of the first coast, it's even hotter there. So what have the conditions been like, and how are you doing out there in that heat? Yeah, it has to do with the cloud cover. If you have cloud cover, it's tolerable. Once the clouds break, you get into trouble. And obviously, players and media alike need to stay hydrated. Um, as a 10-year training camp veteran, I uh, bring out uh, two portable fans, uh, a large bottle of water, a large diced coffee. So I am certainly ready. We were, we're very fortunate. The Dolphins provide us seats. We sit in the shade, and for the first time, they actually brought out these canopies so that we can conduct post-practice interviews in the shade. They used to be in the sun, and that was the most brutal because you would get sunburned, and you would sweat, and you would feel like you need a shower. It was just disgusting. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, the Dolphins think that this gives them an advantage. Uh, Unfortunately, they open the season at L.A. and at – Boston, the Boston Patriots, uh, <laughs> and three of their first four are on the road, including at Buffalo. Now, I'm glad that that Buffalo game is not in the winter, but um, a little bit less of an advantage early season when it's, at, it's the hottest because three of the first four are on the road. Yeah, I remember Stephon Diggs last year saying he was throwing up on the sideline. It was so hot. So I'm sure the Bills are happy that they're not going to be coming down to Miami early in the season. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just happy I don't have to go to Buffalo in the winter. I lost my keys in the parking lot. I, I had to leave my car in Orchard Park and tell the National Car Rental folks that their car was like, I don't even know, what is it, 30 miles away? And they're like, really? <laughs> anyway. You should have told them you walk there in the snow, uphill, both ways. <laughs> Seriously. It's just, I just can't stay in the snow at this point in my life. Yep. Sound like my dad talking about going to school as a kid in New York. 
So, you know, the other thing talking about the heat, Joe, is, uh, you know, in Jacksonville, they just opened a new practice facility called the Miller Electric Center, and they can seat uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,100 fans, and they've been almost packed every practice despite how hot it is. What have the crowds been like down there for Miami watching practices? The one thing about the Dolphins indoor is that it's not suitable for fan watching, so... um uh, the Dolphins practice outdoors unless there's lightning, which has only come up a qu- couple of times in, in spring. They'll, they'll even practice through the heavy rain. Um, it is nice to go indoors in the air-conditioned unit there. Uh, the Dolphins do have a really beautiful training facility at this point in time. Um, and it is c- kind of a cool view for us. We get a different practice-watching perspective. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm going to be traveling uh to Houston next week for joint practices uh, in advance of a preseason game. And then, of course, the Dolphins will play at the Jaguars in the uh, Gannett sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll certainly have plenty of Gannett reporters at the Dolphins-Jaguars game, that's for sure. Um, but uh, when I went to a Texans practice years ago, they didn't even have seats for us. We were just standing out there in the scorching sun. So we'll see if they have chairs. I thought everything was supposed to be bigger and better in Texas. Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Not everything. (laughs) All right. Well, so, Joe, when we look at, uh, you know, the Vegas odds right now, they have the Dolphins finishing third in the AFC East behind the Jets. Real close there, but there's a little distance behind the Bills. So do you agree with the Vegas odds or do you think that the Dolphins are going to pull this out? Or do you think the Jets will win the AFC East? And, you know, who gets a wild card spot or do all three make the playoffs? Yeah, the Jalen Ramsey injury hurts. I think that that makes Buffalo the clear favorite again in the AFC East with the Dolphins and Jets kind of even uh, behind them. Um, So certainly it's possible that three from the AFC East make the playoffs. It seems more likely that'll be the Bills and the Dolphins or Jets. Um, I would personally pick the Dolphins to make the playoffs over the Jets. Um, But, you know, we're a long ways away. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's compare those teams, those two teams real quick. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers versus Tua at quarterback. You've got two really good elite defenses, probably top 10 defenses. So head-to-head, you know, I'll, I'll get your prediction on the season here in a minute, but in the two games with the Jets, do you think it's a split? Do you think it's a home-and-home? Home? How do you think these two teams compare? Yeah, you know, the Dolphins-Jets rivalry has been kind of weird in recent years. Um, games can kind of go either way. Um, yeah, I mean, I would at this point project a split. I certainly don't think Aaron Rodgers is washed. I think that in the same way, Mike McDaniel is really sharp offensively. Robert Sala is really sharp defensively. Um, you know, I, I just, from a distance, it sounds like the Jets are still trying to sort out, sort out their offensive line. But, you know, the truth of the matter is most NFL teams, if you read the stories around the league are trying to like, quote unquote, sort out their offensive line. So offensive line play is is a real problem across the league. Yeah, well, just so you know, before the Jets play the Dolphins, don't speak ill of Nathaniel Hackett. Keep Aaron Rodgers' coach's name out your mouth, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of thought that Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know. He probably said more than he needed to in response. (laughs) Well, so when you look at the season then, Joe, what, what's your prediction over 17 games? How do you have this going for the Dolphins? Uh, wow, I certainly haven't uh, mapped it out game by game yet. I'll do that before the uh, 
the uh, preseason materials start to be published and come out online. But I mean, the Dolphins are clearly a team that should be somewhere between, you know, nine and eight and 11 and six. So, you know, nine, 10, 11, you know, I guess right without Ramsey, I'd kind of maybe go 10 instead of 11. So I don't know, 10 and seven. All right, so sub 500, definitely unacceptable. I got one more thing I want to talk to you about, Joe, but first, uh, it's a little outside the Dolphins. So are there any other Dolphin storylines you want to get to? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think, you know, there's some interesting position battles to watch develop in terms of uh, number three receiver. Is it Braxton Berrios? He has the edge right now. Uh, strong safety. Is it Deshaun Elliott? He has the edge right now. And then, as we mentioned, the offensive line and backup quarterback. All right. So here's what I want to ask you about, Joe. Uh, it does uh, it does have a slight tie to the Dolphins, and it, it has to do with a, a column I wrote last week. And, you know, I was looking around the state of Florida, and you've been covering sports in the state of Florida for even longer than I have, and I'm, I'm two decades in. So, you know, here is my question for you, Joe. When you look around the landscape, you've got Tom Brady's retired. You know, Tiger Woods doesn't play regularly anymore. And I was looking at sports stars in the name in the state of Florida, and you've got people in the past like Dan Marino and Tim Tebow, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Shaquille O'Neal, the list goes on. Nowadays, the state doesn't seem to have that huge star. So obviously, Lionel Messi shows up and easily becomes the biggest sports star playing regularly in Florida. And so I did a top five list where I had from five to one, Tua being number five, Tyreek Hill being number four, Jimmy Butler being three. Trevor Lawrence being two and Messi being number one. Trevor Lawrence? Come on, seriously. You think Trevor Lawrence is a bigger star than Tua Tungvaloa? You're jaded. What are you, a Jags fan? You got Jags season tickets? What do you got, Jags posters on the wall? What what do you, what, 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 Trevor Lawrence? Come on, man. Tua behind Messi and then Butler and then Tyreek. And you could argue Jalen Ramsey is a bigger star in this country than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence isn't even a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, I get it. He's going to be good. You have a jaded perspective. You need to stop wearing your Jaguars underoos. Well, luckily, I'm not a Jaguars fan, although they're kind of my secondary team. They're my adopted state team. But here's why I said Trevor at number two. And I would say because, you know, he's been in the national conscience since 2018 with Clemson, takes the job as a freshman quarterback, wins the title. As a sophomore, goes back and almost wins another. He was number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And then last year, you know, he had over 4,100 yards, and he was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL yards-wise. You know, he's on commercials. He has the long blonde hair. People recognize him. So I thought that if you were to ask people, maybe not even in sports, outside of sports, and you put together those faces after Messi, who's a global superstar, who do you think people would recognize the most? Tua. I mean, there's no question. It's Tua. Tua is the second biggest star in the state of Florida. Um, he is. He is. He is way more famous. Way more famous than Trevor Lawrence, who could probably go to a Publix in Broward County and not even get approached. <laughs> he goes to a, he went to a Publix in Jacksonville. In fact, I was hoping to ask him if he'd suggest a sub to Messi, considering Messi was seen in a Publix in South Florida. But so you think that Tua is a bigger star than Tyreek Hill? Because I would think Tyreek Hill's name would be maybe more revered than Tua's. No, you're underestimating 
how big of a star Tua Tungavaloa is. I mean, literally, I would have to write five to seven stories just to match the number of people who read any Tua story, any Tua story. Uh, and it's those people are not just in Florida. Those people are in the SEC country, which is the entire Southeast, all the way to Hawaii, all the way to Samoa. So this guy is a uh, is a uh, he's an international star, man. All right, so maybe I maybe I got it a little wrong. I don't know if I did, but my outside looking in had Brooks Kepka, Jazz Chisholm, and Jordan Travis. Was there anybody out of that eight total list of athletes? Is there somebody else you think belongs to be in that conversation in the state? No, not really. I mean, it, the you know the the Marlins, the Magic. I don't think of them as having like a, a a superstar player. I mean, Chisholm does have tremendous potential, but it's just tough when you play for the Marlins. So yeah, I mean, again, Trevor Lawrence. Come on, man. <laughs> well, and being an Orlando Magic fan, I think in two or three years, Paolo Bencaro uh, will overtake Jimmy Butler as never the biggest him. superstar. I literally, no- I literally have never heard of that person. Is he the guy that was at F1 that got misidentified? I don't know. <laughs> no, he was the number one overall pick last year out of Duke, and he was the rookie of the year. And he is really good, Joe. If you haven't seen him, just uh, he really does have an amazing talent. I'm not a huge <laughs> NBA guy. I would actually rather watch Inter Miami. I had so much. I went to sleep with a smile as last night. I was so happy. It was so entertaining. So did you watch the Inter-Miami game last night? Do you have the uh, MLS package? I actually woke up and read about it, and Messi is just ridiculous the way he is just destroying all American soccer. It's it's really, really special. I, I went online to try to find tickets for the KC game coming up on a Saturday of Labor Day weekend, and the tickets are just too expensive at this point. I have to see if they drop. A, I don't want to spend 200 on a ticket. But, uh, you know, it's worth it, man. This guy is just special. I think it's so cool. I I yeah. just think it's so cool. I don't usually watch soccer. I mean, I don't watch MLS, but this is different. This guy is on a different planet. Absolutely. And, you know, he's going to be coming up to Orlando to play Orlando City. And I was considering going seeing him, but it's on a Sunday where the Jaguars are actually playing. So I'll have to work that day as opposed to getting to uh, go see Messi live in person in Orlando. I didn't like how the Orlando players kept uh, fouling and sticking their cleats into his legs uh, in the game in in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. I thought that was a little bit dirty. Didn't like it. Yeah, he still got the last laugh, though. <laughs> he did. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, hey, it's been a great conversation. We can find all your work at palmbeachpost.com. And where do people find you on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, threads, Shadjo, S-C-H-A-D-J-O-E. If you heard this podcast... Uh, tag uh, tag me so that I, I know. Absolutely. We want to know that people are listening and our numbers have been really good. And Joe, yours are usually up there with some of our best. So I do appreciate it. You coming on and giving me all your Dolphins knowledge and telling me how wrong I am about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I know he has long hair, but come on. I mean, I don't know. Uh, to me, he's been disappointing. He was supposed to be a transcendent player and he has failed to live up to expectations. We'll see. Maybe you'll be right. Yep. Year three. We'll see what happens. All right, Joe. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you again soon. See you, bud. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters. And to quote the legendary rapper-actor LL Cool J, when adversity strikes, 
that's when you have to be the most calm. Take a step back, stay strong, stay grounded, and press on. Great advice, LL. Ladies love Cool James. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.